O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Please be seated. I grew up as a child of the Cold War in southeast Texas. This was a time that felt threatening for everyone, but it was particularly threatening in our part of the world because our economy economy consisted almost entirely of the oil industry. We were aware from a very young age that if there ever was a nuclear war, our region would be a high-priority target, likely to be hit in a first wave. I was also raised in a Southern Baptist community, one that preached apocalypse and judgment, could have been drawn directly from today's gospel. In my child's mind, these two influences came together in a recurring dream. It was a nightmare, really. Sometimes during the thunderstorms that were so common in my part of Texas, there would be this particular bright light that could pull me out of my sleep in an instant. I would sit up in bed, seeing the light through my window, and I would know I'm about to die. I didn't know if I would die from the force of a nuclear explosion or from the second coming of Jesus Christ. Either way, every time, I was terrified. And then the silence and the light would be pierced by the explosion of thunder. It was just another storm. I grew up in existential fear. I didn't even realize how much so until many years later when I started to remember how my imagination had tried to grapple with that fear. As I read today's text, this memory came to mind. The gospel can be pretty scary. Two men working in a field together, one taken, one left behind. Two women grinding meal, one taken, the other left behind. And no one, not even the Son of God, knows when. And the images of what happens to those caught on the wrong side of God's judgment are terrifying. If we read before today's passage and then after it, we hear Jesus warn his followers to be prepared, for the door will be shut on those who are unprepared. We hear that those on the wrong side of judgment will be thrown into outer darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And eternal punishment awaits them. It's pretty scary stuff. So as I started preparing for this morning, believe me, I would rather have gone right to today's Isaiah passage. I would rather turn to the images of all the nations streaming to the mountain of God and people beating their swords into plowshares and learning war no more. I would much prefer this, these images, to those of apocalypse, judgment, and eternal consequences. But this little apocalypse of Matthew, as this portion of the book is known, kept pulling me back. When we think of Advent, the first thing that comes to mind for me is preparing for Christmas. It's preparing to mark the light of God coming into the world, preparing to celebrate the memory of Jesus as a baby in a manger. So what is this all about? 
Why do we have apocalyptic imagery on this very first day of Advent? Maybe it helps to think about where the material in Matthew might have come from. The Gospel of Matthew was likely written around the years 80 to 90. Jerusalem had been flattened. Jews were scattered. And the temple had been desecrated with statues of Roman rulers. The community of the Gospel of Matthew was most likely exiled to Syria. And although they were probably still practicing as a sect within the larger Jewish community, friction was surfacing between the Christ followers and Jewish leadership because they were under pressure of their own. They were trying to establish a new way of being Jewish in the absence of a temple. The community of this gospel were refugees who had lost their home, their faith community, and their way of life. In a time of tremendous dislocation and violence, this community was imaginatively insisting that God's justice would prevail. Though they might not be able to see any cracks in the invincibility of Rome, still they insisted that God could bring justice at any time. Just as I picked up on the Cold War imagery of the 1970s and 80s to grapple with the fear of living in my place and time, these followers of Jesus picked up on the imagery of their time. Jewish apocalyptic thought that symbolically imagined a world in which a just God will see to it that the world is turned right, that justice wins out, that truth and mercy prevail far from indicating an arbitrary God who randomly casts people into darkness Matthew's little apocalypse shows this community's trust in God to bring about a more just more merciful more secure and more peaceful world than the one in which they lived there's a lot in today's text And in our tradition that designates today the beginning of our new church year. It's a tall order to make sense of it all. But a few things are clear. This I do know. Jesus has come. The light of Christ is present in this world now. But I also know that this world has not lived up to God's vision for creation We have not lived up to God's vision for creation. Each of us could create our own list of the things that the places, the ways that we fall short of the kind of world that God would have us build. There are more refugees displaced around the globe today than there have been at any time since the end of World War II. There are over 70 million people living away from their homes. Young people who were brought to this country as children, more than 650,000 of them in our country are threatened with deportation to countries that they don't know. Deaths of despair are on the rise, the result of loneliness, addiction, suicide. We see wave after wave of gun violence in our country. It seems like every week brings another mass shooting, often in a school. 
Our planet is in crisis, and the cultural divide in our country continues to prevent any meaningful progress. I don't know about you, but I say we could use a little bit of Matthew's apocalyptic imagination. We need Matthew's faith that God will bring justice and mercy and humility to our world. We need Isaiah's vision of a mountain of God's house being raised above all others, of all nations streaming to God's mountain, rejoicing in God's teaching, reveling in God's judgment. We need the weapons of violence and death to be transformed into instruments of well-being. We're given a chance each year to take a fresh look at God's dream for this world. That's Advent. In Advent, we are invited to stop and see the world with fresh eyes, with the eyes of our imagination, with the eyes of God's imagination. Can we transform our sense of apocalypse from one of darkness, as was my childhood vision, to one of light? Can we hold fast to God's promise that God will have the last word in the end in a way that we can't know? As we prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ into the world through our prayers and our outreach this Advent, we can show the world God's justice. In our own small corner, we can show mercy and point toward peace. We can shine the light of Christ into the world so that others will know that God is with us. Can we imagine that? Friends, Christ is with us. The light of God has come into the world and stands with us. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.